Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning, church. Today I'm coming to you live from my own front room. What a privilege it is to be bringing the word today. And I was just reflecting on what a great message it was from Pastor Quinton last Sunday. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you, once you're done with this service today, go over onto the podcast and give it a listen because it's a great message. One of the things that I learned from that is that faith has a temperature. And Quinton really just opened our eyes using two stories. We saw that Jesus was amazed at the lack of faith or the cold faith of the people in the village of Nazareth. But on the opposite end, he was positively amazed by the burning hot faith of the Roman centurion. Well, that taught me one thing, uh, that even if you are of the faith, you can always be adjusting it. There's always a temperature that can be changed in effectiveness. And we learned that the kind of faith that pleases God is one that takes action. It's a faith that endures. And Quinton asked us the question, What would be different about our city? What would be different about our world if God actually answered our prayers? And of course, that brings the questions of, are our prayers full of faith? Are they bold prayers? Are we asking God for something that's actually going to make an impact in our world, in our city and region? That's a good question to ask. Or are our prayers just one that we could achieve without God's involvement? Well, one of the reasons that we have dream cards that we've been handing out and distributing through Connect Groups is that We want to be proactive in taking steps of faith, of really being bold and really asking God for the big things in life, for our life, for our family, and for our church. And so we also learned that great faith is is not a perfect faith, but it looks to engage and it looks to advance. There is a battle, as we learned, to stay in the faith, but there's grace Thank God, there's grace for those whose faith slips on the choppy waters of doubt, just like it did for Peter. And what we also learned in the encouragement was that failing isn't missing God, but it's a part often of the process, the journey of faith with God. And that's why, as Joyce Meyer says, we can do it afraid. We can do it afraid because it's ultimately, it's not about our competence, but it's about our confidence in Christ in our lives. Amen. So before I get into my message today, I want to just quickly take some time to pray, if that's okay. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. And as we ponder these things of faith and seeing and vision in this series, I pray, Lord, that you would open up our hearts, Lord, open up our minds to hear from you this morning and in the continuation of this series, Lord. Just spur on conversations in our connect groups and just thank you that, you that you would speak to us in this time and bring fresh revelation around this area. Amen. So this series, C, what is it all about? Well, quite simply, it's about your future. It's about our future. Because it's God's design that your future is wrapped up and unraveled in his church. What do I mean by that? Well, I firmly believe this. I firmly believe that God places you in his family so that you can flourish for the benefit of all. And Psalm 92, 13 says this really clearly, that they are planted in the house of the Lord, 
they flourish in the courts of our God. What a great scripture. Now, thinking about Pastor Quinton's message last Sunday, if you want to keep your faith warm, right, maybe you need to come in from the cold and get around the family fire that is his church. That's my message this morning. And, you know, a passage that really lays this out clearly, that really just identifies the reality that we have as Christians is Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Let's read together right now. It says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple of the Lord, in whom you are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And as fellow citizens, we are part of the kingdom of God. And as members of God's household, all believers become one spiritual family. And as a holy temple, all believers together form a habitation of God. Isn't that just brilliant? I love that passage. That's something that you should really be chewing on if you haven't already done so. I encourage you to just dig into that during this week. You know, as a Christian, I want to be devoted to and passionate about the things Jesus loves and cares about. Amen. As his disciple, as an apprentice, if you like, of Jesus, I should ask him, so what are we working on? How can I help? Well, his answer, of course, is rooted in what he said to Peter 2,000 years back now, when Simon declared that Jesus was in fact the Messiah. He had that revelation. In Matthew 16, 18, we can read that Jesus replied to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So there you go. Jesus is building his church. And we know perhaps better than we have in a long time right now that his church is not a building of bricks and mortar, but it's a people, right? He's in the people building business, but he builds us crucially together. You know, in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, Paul says this. He says, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. God uses his church to help build us up, but he builds us together. Now, we know that Jesus loves his church. It's very clear in scripture. And as we learn from Matthew on Valentine's Day, that we are to favor his church like a man should favor his wife. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Are you getting the picture here? As prophesied by the prophets of the Old Testament and recognized by the apostles of the New Testament, Jesus was and is the chief cornerstone of this building. He's the stone that the builders rejected, just as prophesied. He's the stumbling block to many, but he's the sure foundation to our faith. That is why the church recognizes Jesus as its founder. He literally started all of this. And he's not done. And you thought that the Great Wall of China was a long project. 
well, this project is important to him because, quite simply, it's his family. It's for his people. You didn't join the church. Here's, here's a truth here right now. You didn't join the church to the time when you start showing up on Sunday at church or tuning in online. Jesus actually put you in his church. It was him that did it. And we can read this because in the book of, there's a book called Acts and it's all about the Holy Spirit, if you were to summarize it, who in turn is all about the church. And in Acts 2, 46 to 47, you can learn about the growing early church at a really exciting time. And it says this, it says, with one accord, they continue to meet daily in the temple courts and to break bread from house to house, sharing their meals with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people that actually favored each other. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. When Jesus seeks and saves the lost like you and I, he puts them in his church. He doesn't say, now be careful, don't do anything stupid, I'll be right back. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, he places us in his family. We are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and with the saints and members of the household of together, of God together, we're adopted into a family. Psalm 68, 6, God says that he sets the lonely into families. God blesses us. He cares for us by putting us in a family. Isn't that amazing? On the other side of that, the enemy, what does he want for our lives? He wants us, quite simply, to be a wanderer. He wants us, wandering is another way in the Bible of saying that you're cursed. You don't want to be out there alone, quite simply. You don't want to do life alone. Have you ever seen the nature programs where there's lions hunting a pack of zebras or, or whatever it is they're hunting in the show? And their strategy is always to get one isolated um, zebra, one lonely wanderer. And Peter uses this illustration, in fact, in 1 Peter 5.8, and he warns us about this. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. There's a really good warning to heed there. See, God's heart is that as members of God's household, all believers become one spiritual family. And as a holy temple, all believers together form a habitation, a safe place for God. That is a safe place, and that's a place where we can flourish together. Now, I heard this great analogy about God's family from Nathan Finocchio, who's a teaching pastor at Hillsong Church, and he said that with family, there's always a level of comfort. It's a feeling like you belong, that you can be yourself. But there's also an expectation of responsibility around that. Of course, you could help yourself to what's in the fridge, but you've also got to do the dishes on occasion, right? And to me, that's just a picture of a healthy family. See, our heart is that you would find a home church, whether that be Sea Free Church or wherever you are in the world, but that you would feel that is a place that you can relax, is a place that you can enjoy, a place you can be yourself, but it's also a place where you take pride in personally. You take pride in caring for it because the church and our destinies are intertwined. If we want to flourish personally, if we want to see our families flourish, we have to see that the church is flourishing. 
Now, if you look around in the news today, there's no shortage of bad news, whether it's about the economic situation, the political situation, the health situation, the environmental situation, the social situation, I mean, you name it, there's just problems everywhere. And there's a lot of hard challenges that humanity is facing right now. But when I get down to the crux of it, I always come back to that what the world needs, what I believe the world needs is transformed lives. We need people to be changed in family situations, in places of political influence, decision makers, they need to be transformed for Christ, to Christ. And church, I believe, is the agent of that change. Church is God's plan A, as Quinton always says, there is no plan B. God wants to influence the world and transform our world through his local church. Personally, one of the clearest ways I see church helping my faith is how it feeds my faith. When I remain in his church, I quite simply remain in him. So you, some people might consider that a controversial statement. Well, not really, because the church, as we know, is his body. But it's not, as we know, it's not about an affiliation to a church. It's not about just calling yourself a member or attending now and then. It's about really being connected. It's about really being engaged in the church, being a part of the life of the church. That's when you really experience what church is supposed to be. That it's supposed to be a family, Right? It's about the giving and the receiving. We gotta love his church. But as Bono sang, love will leave you if you don't care for it. A lot of truth in that lyric. I've seen a lot of friends fall out of love with the church. People say that, you know, the church is full of hypocrites. And I'll say, yeah, it is, guilty. And that's because you and I are in it. We are, as our intro says in this stream, we are a church of imperfect people. We're broken people, but we are his people and he loves us and his grace is here for us. Now, just as I come into a close right now, I just want to leave you with one final point, And it's this, you know, I believe that we take care of our faith by engaging in the things of God. You know, when Peter was reinstated after his faith failure, and he had quite a few, by the way, what was it that Jesus asked of him? Well, we can read that actually in John 21, 15, 17. He said this, he said, when they had finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus replied, feed my lambs. And Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he answered. You know I love you. And Jesus told him, shepherd my sheep. And Jesus asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was deeply hurt and probably confused that Jesus had asked him for a, for a time, do you love me, Lord? You know all things, he replied. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him again, feed my sheep. What I take from that is that sometimes it's easy to say, of course I love you to God, right? But, you know, I just don't have time to help out with C-free kids right now. Or, you know, I just don't have the headspace to engage in connect group at this moment. Or, you know, God, I'd really like to give, but, you know, I have other pressing things that I just need to take care of first. 
You know, if my, my wife calls me when she's away with the, the boys, going visiting family perhaps, and she'd give me a call and say, do you miss me? My instant reaction would be, of course, darling. Of course I miss you, right? But if she follows up with a question, did you water my plants? Sometimes I might get stumped on that question, right? I might have a problem. It's like, oh, just you had one job. You had one job. It doesn't communicate that you are on someone's heart when you can't prioritize the things that they care about, right? That's pretty condemning sometimes. You know, I think we've all justified at different times in our lives pulling back from the things of church. But I believe it's a good indication of where your heart is. Some people will say, oh, honestly, Justin, my heart's just not in it. And that's good that you're honest. But, you know, Matthew 6.21, Jesus says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Now, I've been so encouraged during this pandemic, this difficult season, uh, both seeing myself and others experience a whole new level of relationship with God and with each other. And I think that's the reason for that is because we've invested. We purposely, purposely put our hearts into his church by plugging into what's going on in the church, engaging in our connect groups, giving sacrificially. And I'm seeing the fruit in each other's lives. See, we have to see that God has created an environment for us. He's put us in a family where he's brought us out from the cold in the world. He's brought us in to the warmth of this faith community, but it requires our prioritization. You can easily, easily miss the value of church when you don't see that you yourself are a stakeholder in it. Because it's your church and it's your responsibility to prioritize it. Now, just as I close, I would like to take some time to pray for us. Lord, I thank you for your gift of the church. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't only just save us, Lord. You brought us into your family, Lord. You brought us into relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, what a privilege to do life with others, Lord God. And I pray for a fresh revelation for each and every one of us of the gift and the opportunity that it is, Lord. Help us to look past, Lord, just the frustrations and maybe we clash with different personalities, the imperfections of church, Lord, and to see the blessing that you have given us in our lives. So this is an opportunity for us to grow. This is an opportunity for us to flourish and our families to flourish, Lord God. Help us to prioritize your church because we know that you love and care for it so much that you gave your life for it, Lord, so that it could be possible for us, Lord, to have this community, Lord. I pray we would cherish it on a whole new level, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, as, the, as we dream together in our connect groups and in our, in our relationships in church, we, we fill in these faith cards for our lives, for our family, for our church, Lord God, that we can spur one another on. We can encourage one another, Lord. We can share each other on, Lord. And we can celebrate how you are moving in each other's lives, Lord. Thank you that we can be an inspiration for one another. Lord, let us be the church that you want us to be, Lord God. I pray all this in your holy name. Amen. Well, church, I hope you were encouraged by today's message. I look forward to hearing the conversations. I know a bunch of you are going to be jumping onto Zoom calls now and discussing. Again, I want to encourage you, if you missed last Sunday, go and check out the podcast. Get tuned into these this, and plugged into this series. I believe that God wants to speak to us 
in it and let's be engaged, let's invest in the church, let's prioritize this church, right? Have an awesome Sunday and a fantastic week ahead. Until next Sunday, God bless you.